Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That is Proverbs 1717. Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I'm your host, Sandra Flack, and I am super excited to bring uh, you my uh, two special guests um, today. So pretty neat. Last week we had two guests on at the same time, and this week we have two. Um, so we're, I'm seeing a trend. Um, but of course, as always, before we get started, um, just want to check in with you, see how you're doing. Um, you know, last episode we talked with Lisa Qualls and Melissa Corkum about um, their book, um, Reclaim Compassion, and it's about blocked care. Um, and they really talked in there about um, taking care of your nervous system, you know, so it's a kind of a more serious look at self-care, soul care, right? So make sure you're doing that. Make sure you're taking some time um, to be able to do that. I, I know it's hard for us because I'm on this journey like you are. It's very hard to carve out time for ourselves and to really take care of our physical body and our emotional health, our mental health, our spiritual health. But we really have to do that if we're going to be present and um, able to parent our kiddos successfully um, without doing more harm to them and um, just having... Um, you know, really being able to navigate navigate this journey. So be sure that you're doing that. Life can be super crazy. Um, I know I've got um, my April is a jam-packed month and I'm already spread out the calendar in front of me and decided I need to block off time um, and make some priorities and let go of some things because I have a big deadline, um, which is something I wanted to share with you. Um, and I want to share this because first and foremost, um, I would really appreciate it if you kept me in prayer um, because I have a super um, just a huge opportunity that the Lord really just placed in um, my lap in front of me. Um, and, you know, my yes is always on the table. So, of course, I said yes, because it's a it's a wonderful opportunity, not just for me, but it's an it's a wonderful opportunity for the FASD community. And I know many of you listening are are parent, parenting and caring for children prenatally exposed. Um, not everyone, you know, but I know a, a lot of our listeners are in that same uh, uh, boat that, that my family is in, and I talk about FASD a lot um, on this podcast. So an opportunity has um, presented uh, with focus on the family. So the day after Easter, I'm going to be flying out to Colorado Springs to record um, two short video modules about FASD that Focus will be featuring on their website. They have the, um, the Wait No More is the adoption and foster care ministry part of Focus on the family. So it will be featured there. Um, but in addition to that, so that's a huge, that's a huge, a huge thing. So if you're thinking about me on um, Tuesday, I believe it's the 11th of April, um, if please say a prayer because that's the day we'll be recording. Um, in fact, my husband is flying out with me and so is our 17-year-old Slava will be going with us because um, we really can't leave him home alone. Um, and so we're going to fly out together um, because they're joining me on this part of the trip because then after um, we record and finish that part of the project, we're going to drive up 
several hours up into Wyoming to spend a few days with our daughter um, and son-in-law and our grandbaby Killian, who um, I have talked about uh, quite a bit on this podcast, um, who had the open heart surgeries and he was born back in June. So he's not quite a year old and he's had three big surgeries and he's doing so wonderfully, but there was no way I could go from New York to Colorado and not go up to Wyoming. So um, we're going to do that. My husband hasn't actually met the baby in person yet. We've, you know, FaceTime with them all the time, but we really, really wanted to um, spend a few days with them. And since we were so close, we thought, you know what, we're just going to rent a car and drive up. It's about, I don't know, five to seven hours uh, to where they are in Wyoming. And we're going to spend a few days with them. So that's an exciting part of the the trip too but in addition to that another reason why my my calendar for the month of april is going to be quite full is um to go along with the video modules that i'm going to be recording for focus um they've asked me to write a cornerstone article about fasd to to go along with that so the videos sort of introduce fasd and kind of you know give that kind of like my lunch and learn, right? Kind of like hitting hitting the main points. And then the article is an in-depth article where, you know, I really unpack it. So it's, it's um, 3,000 words that I have to write and it's due the end of April, April 30th. Um, and I'm a little like starting to, you know, like I said, block off time on the calendar because a week of that time is when we're going to actually be in Colorado and Wyoming. So there's not going to be much time to write that week. Um, So now I am starting to, um, I'm actually recording, you know, recording this before you, a good week before you're listening to it. So um, I'm beginning to put together my resources and my notes and my outline and whatnot. And then I'll be starting to write here very soon. Um, But if you think of me and think of this project, um, you know, join me in praising and thanking the Lord for the opportunity. And I want to do both the videos and the article um, for his glory. I want to do them with excellence for his glory and to really honor um, the FASD community, right? I want to do a really good job um, for the community and for the Lord and for focus. So, um, you know, Things are already, you know, crazy. And of course, when you have a great opportunity that the Lord gives you, other things in life begin to heat up, you know, a little bit of that, you know, and, you know, those fiery arrows start coming at us. And of course, that's already happened. So, um, you know, please keep me, my family, and this project um, in prayer when you think of it. Um, I would really, really greatly appreciate that because it's a big, huge opportunity, like I said, and I want to do well. Um, but it's also quite the project to tackle. Um, and, you know, with parenting our kiddos and running the nonprofit and doing this podcast and then other things are trying to creep in. So I'm trying to be very mindful to set those boundaries and not take on anything else. In fact, other things I have um, decreased, you know, I'm trying to like slow down the calendar. Okay, so uh, before we get to today's guests, here are some important announcements. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And coming up... Uh, Let's see, new dates here because we are in the month of April. On April 6th, I'm offering a free online uh, lunch and learn intro to FASD. Um, And on April 19th, I am offering a three-hour deep dive into FASD using the FACETS neurobehavioral model. Um, That will be at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So the lunch and learn April 6th, 1 p.m. Eastern, 
um, just a one hour introduction uh, and the three hour uh, going a little bit deeper into FASD um, that is on April 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern and these workshops both online are you know not only great for parents and caregivers but family members right if you have a grandparent or um, older adult children or um, a school teacher babysitter um, whoever it might be in your community who's interacting with your kiddos and you're thinking you know they really need to understand um, FASD they need to understand a brain-based approach um, these workshops are, are really good for them as well as parents and caregivers and professionals um, so you would register for either one of these uh, workshops or any of our workshops on our website justicefororphansny.org um, if you're registering for one of these trainings that's already on the calendar you would click on events at the top of our homepage and then you'll see a list of um, whatever is available currently that you can sign up for um, or if you want to really know more about all of the training that we offer then you would go to uh, trainings at the top of the page. Um, and then there's a drop down. You would click FASD and then you would find um, the different, you know, variety of trainings and workshops that I offer. And I do in person um, because I do travel and I also do um, online virtual and I'll, you know, can do them for specific groups. Um, so however, however you would like to do that. Um, the lunch and learn is free, but you need to register for um, whatever workshop you're doing if they're online, because that way you'll get the Zoom link for to be able to actually, um, you know, join the call and get involved that way. Um, and let's see. Oh, I always like to remind everybody about those bonus episodes that we did with Dr. Jared Brown. Um, 21 episodes we did with Dr. Brown, um, and he, he specializes in trauma, FASD, autism, like all of the brain things. Um, and this seri series, we really focused on topics of, you know, really vital um, importance to foster and adoptive and kinship caregivers. So, you know, we talk about prenatal trauma, complex trauma, you know, FASD, of course, but also, you know, the adverse effects of screen time, not just on our kids, but any kids, right? Um, executive dysfunction, uh, memory, you know, all of the things to do with the brain, the central nervous system, all of those things, the effects of sugary beverages on um, our kids, on us, on anyone. Um, so really, really excellent content, very popular episodes, 21 in the series. So make sure you scroll through our, our library of episodes, especially if you're new to this podcast, scroll back, you know, on your device and see all the different episodes we offer. These ones are, um, are labeled that they're the bonus episodes with Dr. Brown. So you will want to check them out and you will want a notebook to be able to take notes while he speaks because there's a lot of excellent content. Um, so there's that. And of course, because we don't want you to miss any of our episodes, please subscribe to the podcast so that way you don't miss one. And so it makes it easier for other um, adoptive and foster parents find this podcast um, so that they can be encouraged and equipped too. And if you're listening on an Apple device, hey, go on in there and leave us a review. I'd greatly appreciate that too. So, okay. Now to our special guests today, Justin and Alexis Black are authors speakers, business owners, and part of the Forbes Next 1000 class of 2021. Together, they've published an award-winning, best-selling book titled Redefining Normal, How Two Foster Kids Beat the Odds and Discovered Healing, Happiness, and Love. Now, that book has impacted over 20,000 individuals and families. It's an excellent book. And now they are releasing a new children's book, um, teaching the, the principles of love. That book is called I Love You More Than Cereal, Mava and Dad Redefine Love. Uh, they're also with Rose, Rising Over Societal Expectations Empowerment Group, the Rose Empowerment Group, and Redefining Normal. They hope to continue the conversation on healthy relationships, mental health, and healing to help others create a life worth living. So please welcome Justin and Alexis Black. Hey, guys. 
Hello. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. It's such an honor to to have you on the podcast. You're out there doing amazing things and writing amazing books and doing great work. And I'm just so excited for our listeners to get to meet you. Yes, we're excited to be here. Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure to be on it. Thank you so much for inviting us. Oh, thank you for saying yes. Um, and I and, and most of my <laughs> listeners are adoptive and, and foster parents and kinship caregivers. So, and I'm an adoptive parent and kinship caregiver myself. So I know um, our listeners will be inspired by your stories. So, mm-hmm. and I'd love to start at the beginning so that they could get to know you both. Um, so if you would each take a moment um, to just share your individual stories, how you uh, had come into foster care and how long you were there. Um, you know, tell those, tell that story for us. Each of you take a, take mm-hmm. that as long as you want, really, you're not limited. So just share your mm-hmm. story. No, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. So um, again, uh, my name is Justin uh, from Detroit and grown up in Detroit pretty much my entire life and uh, grown up in Detroit left until, well, been there since, um, I was born and left when I was around 19 when I went to college. And uh, from there, I entered the foster care system around nine years old, largely due to mental health issues on both sides of my family, uh, neglect, drug abuse, things of that nature, and dealing with a lot of poverty and homelessness in my childhood. So um, in me entering into the foster care system, it was a matter of me uh, going home to home, uh, living with family for quite some time. Um, Live with my brother, live with my aunt for a while, still going home to home and then uh, transitioning to live, living with uh, strangers or my brother's best friend, uh, parents, and then going from there to living into a group home. And then um, finally being able to uh, have the support that I needed in that group home environment in order to um, go to college. And that's where um, I received resources from the church, which was funding the group home, like mentors tutoring, uh, able to receive help from people who look like me. So seeing other black men who are successful um, was definitely helpful and encouraging to me and uh, really being inspired to be able to go to college and uh, be the first in my family to go to college and first in my family to do a lot of things. But that was uh, just a special moment for me in my life. So it all kind of came together um, in that experience, I would say. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So and uh, it, we're definitely providing like a super high level, yeah. you know, overview. <laughs> super, super overview. Yeah. yeah. Super overview. So make sure that you, you want to learn more about us. You can, uh, you know, check out our website and check out our book. Um, so to learn, you know, those uh, those details. insider details. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> I would say for me, uh, I'm Alexis and I'm from Flint, Michigan, and uh, I entered foster care at 13. Um, before that, my biological mother passed away by suicide. I went and lived with my biological father, uh, who was, um, very abusive and lived with him for about eight years until I was taken away from his home. And, um, I had to testify against him and all that, you know, fun details in there. Uh, and I lived with, uh, family. So it was a kinship placement for several years. Um, and then actually until they kicked me out, uh, my junior year of high school and they packed up all my stuff, put it outside and basically said, you got to go. Um, in the moment, you know, it seemed like it was going to be the most scariest thing in my life, but ended up being the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Cause I met my foster now adoptive parents who are some of my favorite people in, in the world. Uh, and they completely changed my life forever. So um, that's just, you know, super high level, <laughs> a little bit about both of us. Yeah. And did you go to college too, Alexis? Yeah. So we both went to Western Michigan University. That's actually where we met. It was a um, a program for foster youth and higher education. We met on the first day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask about because, because statistically, we, we see that not a lot of kids in the foster care system who came through go to college, but this was mm-hmm. actually a program for youth in the foster care system to go to college. Yep. 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 Uh, basically a support system at Western Michigan University, one of the first of its kind at any university in the country. And they actually do trainings on the other programs now, but um, they are basically, they give foster youth the opportunity to have like a campus coach scholarship opportunities. And you're like pretty much an everyday student, but yeah, what the program provides is uh, supports that, you know, a, a traditional, quote unquote, traditional students will have with, from a two parent household. So housing over uh, holiday breaks, 
um, support with moving in, moving out and so many other things. Wow, that's a great program. I had not heard of that before. So I love, love hearing that. Um, mm-hmm. So you met you met in college. So how did mm-hmm. you kind of explain that part of the story? I like when Justin explained that part. Yeah, so <laughs> I was uh, I was an incoming freshman in 2016. I was an incoming freshman. Uh, I believe she transferred from University of Michigan Flint, but she went to Western for a year. Um, uh, I'll let her explain her side of things, but I was an incoming freshman, kind of just... You read about this in the first chapter of our book, but incoming freshman trying to live the college life, quote unquote, and just trying to, you know, indulge in, in, you know, whatever stereotypical college kids did and trying to leave behind all the trauma, all the foster care identity stuff in the past that I carry with me and really even abandoning my faith to a degree because I wanted to fit in so bad. And, and because I had this label of being a traumatized foster youth, I really wanted to leave behind that identity so bad and leave behind pretty much all of myself. So I came into this situation, you know, with that mindset and that idea. And then, you know, I met Alexis, who was so authentically herself. And she had um, a few years of experience ahead of me in college. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm three years older. <laughs> so... She had a few years of experience and, and I feel like I was kind of had like a um, it was a shock where I was really challenged to be my authentic self and even learn more about who my authentic self was outside of this trauma. Because at that point in my life at 19, I wasn't able to fully understand, you know, what I was going through, what I was dealing with and how my past experience and family history was a part of me, but not all of me. So I didn't know how to handle that and, and categorize it. Um, so coming into the situation, meeting Alexis, who kind of turned my world upside down. And, you know, we just had such uh, authentic conversations during that time. And you know, it was just a, a blessing meeting her in such a, 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 a godly moment of us coming together and having those conversations. Because, you know, if we weren't, uh, if we wouldn't have met, then, you know, my pathway could have went a completely different way but just the (laughs) conversations and the questions that she asked me really challenged me to my core and really challenged my heart and who I was so I really had to reflect on that and see what I want to do with this time in college and she really helped me with that (laughs) wow great answer I'm glad that you had him answer Yeah, he so, does a great job at it. That's why I yeah, pass it to him. <laughs> that was that was great. So now you re- you've referenced your faith, right, Justin? So sh- share with us. I want you to both take an opportunity to take the time to answer this. But you know, what point did you both come to faith in the Lord, and and what role has that played in your life? Yeah, I mean, um, if you read our book, you can see how we fi- we try to find a way as much as possible to weave our faith throughout the book without it, like feeling like it's being pushed at people because you we can't tell our story without sharing our faith like that it's just not possible for us to leave that out um because i think i know that that guided a lot of our um actions and where we are today in our healing journey and all of that but i would say for me when i like growing up i went to church sometimes i the aunt that i live with uh she claimed that she was a christian But the home that I lived in, I told myself, if this is what Christianity looks like, then I don't ever want to be a Christian because it was so harmful and toxic. And uh, and people I saw so much in my family and people around me that they just want to be Christians at church and then leave, you know, do whatever life that they want to do outside of that. And I could see like how harmful it could be and all these things. So I just said, I don't want. But then when I met my when I initially met my foster parents, when I moved in, uh, they would invite me to church. They would, you know, um, do so many things that I had never seen. Like they would just make meals for people down the street or somebody that had a baby or whatever. And my dad worked in a church and my mom volunteered a lot in the church. And so I had some, uh, when I say mom and dad, it's my, my adoptive parents. They ended up adopting me later, but, (laughs) um, so I got to see through them of like, your words and actions aligning and consistency and using your faith for good and helping and serving in just a hundred percent different perspective than I had growing up. And so when I lived with them, it was actually only six months. And in that six months, I went and visited church with them. Like I went to a service and I told myself, you know, I really love what this is about. And I could see myself getting into this more, but I just didn't see my fit at their church. And about 
probably a month or two later, they actually moved and I moved in with their parents. Um, so I could stay in the same high school. Cause at that time I was, that was my 10th school. Uh, but then when I went to college, I had a friend invite me to school or invite me to church. And I went and I went to that same church for about six years. Um, and at first I went by myself and just wanted to figure out, you know, my faith and everything. But I would say absolutely the, the seed and, and what Christianity could look like and the consistency and the goodness of it absolutely was rooted in my adoptive parents. Because, uh, I mean, if if they were representatives of like Jesus on earth and the love and the care and goodness, like I absolutely see that in them. And that's why like every single piece of me has been changed fundamentally since I met them, because I could see what a marriage looks like, what a, like a friendship, uh, uh, being a mother, being a daughter, all of these dynamics completely fundamentally changed for me. And I absolutely can say to the core of me, I wouldn't have Justin today without, you know, knowing my adoptive parents and coming to faith. Cause I could see what it is to want a godly man, to want a Christian marriage and with morals and values and energy, just that foundation in our lives. Um, and then coming together and saying, this is something that we want together, but we have to each want that in our own journey mm-hmm. rather than forcing it on him. Like for, well, I, before I met Justin, a week before, actually, I had left an eight-year abusive relationship. And in that, I was dating an atheist. And at that time, I was still trying to really wrestling with my faith. Who was I? Uh, did I believe in God? And when I would go to church, he would make fun of me and try to tear me down, all those things. But then when I met Justin, he said, you know, in our first real conversation, he asked me if I was a Christian. Like, that was an expectation he had of me if we were to move forward in, in talking and potentially dating. So it was just completely different dynamic and everything that I had before that I got when I, you know, met Justin and then also my adoptive parents and just having that ex- example and expectation for me. Wow. Your <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I want to hear your story, Justin. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say for me, I came from, uh, my family was very religious, but it was it was uh, in a way where we went to church a lot, like two, three times a week. I've been sung in the choir when I was little and talking like being jurors, volunteering and dressing up real nice for church and things like that. But it was some of the, the basic fundamental things that I feel like we're missing when it came to uh, basically how we treat each other, the gossip, violence and things of that nature in our family, even when living with my parents, from other family members. It was some of the basic things I feel like we're missing. And I could have easily, you know, went from, you know, you know, not believing in God and just because of what I saw and the things that I experienced from people who were always in church. And, and the thing that was in me that I don't know, how exactly to describe it, but you know, I live with my oldest brother. He he didn't believe in God, but I was around eleven, and I just had this need or want to kind of go back to church. So I would, as an eleven year old, or not even eleven, like ten, <laughs> ten or eleven, um, I would walk down the street ten minutes to just find a church and just go there because you know churches are everywhere. You know, so I just walked down the street and just found a church and start going there. I don't know what denomination it was or any of it. I just wanted to have this connection and curiosity for God. And I remember as a child, always reading my, my, my kids Bible, where it showed all the pictures and the stories of the Bible and everything. And I was a lame kid. I even brought my Bible to school and, and read my children's Bible at school in uh second and third grade and everything. And uh, I was, I was always just curious. I, I feel like I always kept that curiosity for God. And I asked a lot of questions around God that, you know, a lot of people who ask these questions, they're kind of deconverting and going away. Like, you know, who is God? Who created God? And, and you know, why do we suffer? And all of these kind of deep uh, questions. But instead of kind of turning away, I, I went to my faith and I went to God to kind of ask those questions and get answers for them. And every question that I had, I, I feel like was answered. And those deep questions, like I said, that usually turn people away from the faith. I feel like I had those same questions, but I, I went to God to for my answers about God. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was just uh, that was huge for me. And um, after getting those questions answered through research, through questions and just, you know, just trying to find answers. I feel like my faith was kind of cemented in, in Christ. And I really um, try to use that as, you know, a dis- 
use that as a way to guide all my decisions and what I do. And even with the work we do now, we're redefining normal. Everything, even if we're in a university setting where we can't explicitly say, you know, uh, who we like, you know, who we represent, you know, uh, we always uh, use themes and concepts from scripture and and uh, bring our faith into it without ex- ex- saying exactly where it comes from. So everything that we do is an expression of our faith. And I try to just do that as much as I can and continue to learn and grow. And um, yeah, just just representative of God as much as I can. Mm, love that. Love love your testimonies. Um, so tell us about your book because you referenced uh, Redefining Normal. So the book, the title of the book is Redefining mm. Normal, How Two Foster Kids Beat the Odds and Discovered Healing, Happiness and Love. So why did you write the book? What are you doing with the book? Tell us that. Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, kind of had a, the seed planted years ago from several people in our lives that we should write a book that we have a story that needs to be heard and and we need to write about it. But we always just kept saying like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, that just seems like a lot of work. Um, but then I would say in 2019, we decided that we were actually going to move forward with it. Well, actually I was going to move forward with it and it was going to be around healthy relationships because we never really got to see uh, what healthy relationships were and what, what it looked like and how could we have a healthy marriage and relationship and potentially being parents one day, how could we, if we didn't know what that looked like, but in order for us, as we started really kind of writing it, we, we learned quickly, or at least I learned quickly that I am not a writer. I am more of a type A organizer, logistics sort of person. Justin is the, the writer. He is the creative, he does all of that. And so, uh, so I asked him, okay, let's write this book together. (laughs) So I knew that initially we were going to do that. And then also we looked at, you know, as we started to write the book of seeing, um, you know, if we were to write about healthy relationships, but how do we even start? Because in order for you to understand what healthy is, you have to understand what is your definition of a relationship, of healthy, of family, of all these things. And so to take that back to the root or square run, square one, that's what is your normal? And so everybody essentially has a standard or a definition of what is their normal based on their family, community, and society. And for us and people that come from our background or it can be very toxic and unhealthy and so we need to figure out what is the root of our different different definitions because we all have definitions of family community success uh marriage all of that we all have our ideals and where that comes from but we have to see who gave us that definition and is it working and serving in our favor and so that was really the start of the journey and in us to get closer together before we got married i don't know if this was ever supposed to be published when we first started it um (laughs) because we just wanted to get closer together before we got married with the um divorce statistics and then uh all the other things added on were like It's just a lot kind of going against us. Uh, And then for each chapter, we said, you know, um, what does the world say will be essentially? And so looking at different statistics of being in foster care, Justin being black male, all these things, what does the world say will be? But then what does God say will be? And so just kind of um, juxtaposing those for each um, for each chapter. And we also read a book similar to ours where it was both of our narratives back and forth. Uh, so we had to kind of make up what was this going to be and look like, but it was a really great even example and testament to our relationship because less than 2% of people in the world publish a book. And then the average book takes five years to publish. And we wrote ours and published it all within, I would say six months. Uh, and, wow. and when you think about a book that you write together, it takes longer because you have to agree on every word, every label, you know, the cover, everything you have to do, agree on. And we did that together. And so it was 100% like a team effort uh, going forward, you know, with Justin doing a lot of the the writing and the creative side of it. And then I'm helping, you know, get the book out there and published. So mm-hmm. definitely, you know, team effort. <laughs> I'm just looking at baby waking up. But watching <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. So I also, it's a... It's an important concept also because the reason why we wanted to loop other people using it as a platform to serve is because you think about every single person has an idea of normal based on the influence of their family, community, and society. And all of us have had, you know, it it takes two people to create a child, our our mother and our father. And the, the ideas, the standard and the culture that they have 
influences our normal and our trajectory uh, going forward. And if they pass down a normal that's based on trauma, that's based on unhealthy practices and habits, then that becomes our normal and that becomes our standard and the, the, the bubble that we live in. And we can't usually see outside of that. So uh, we wanted to address that and how that's been normalized in our bloodline for four to five plus generations and loop other people in on this is our family history. This is how we've dealt with it in an unhealthy way. This is how we start to help deal with it in a healthy way. And this is how we're going to change our, our family trajectory moving forward mm -hmm. with our daughter and with our, our the next generations to come mm -hmm. and challenging other people to do that, that same thing as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's so refreshing to talk to the two of you because uh, I'm an adoptive parent. I have five children through adoption. Um, four came internationally. One was a kinship. And, um, you know, and just my, my interaction with other uh, families, I know, you know, that the, the, the trauma and the things that you guys have overcome individually and then bringing that together into a marriage and, 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 you know, so often foster youth, there's, there's so many odds, right, against you know, mm -hmm. individuals who've come up through what you come through, have come through and have overcome. So what, you know, what do you attribute to the fact that to your healing of that trauma and the success that you're having now? Um, what do you attribute that to? I think a lot of, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, our faith, but then also mm -hmm. had so many people see value in us and pour into us when we didn't see it in ourselves. So it'd be mentors, it'd be foster parents. Uh, you know, be people who just wanted to love on us, even when we didn't feel lovable <laughs> or worthy of it. Uh, and that was, those would be, I would think some of the hugest things, but then also that we had to make the choice to be able to be loved and to allow that in. Uh, and we had to make the decision and the, and ha take the autonomy um, and ability going forward that our healing is up to us. Um, nobody else is going to do that for us. Our success is up to us. Nobody's going to do that either. Uh, and so it's really, you know, so much of this is on us, uh, in our, in our pathway going forward to success and healing. Um, but we couldn't do it without our community of people loving on us and supporting us yeah. on, along the way. Yeah. Just accepting the idea, like it wasn't our fault that the things that happened to us in our childhood, teenage years, it wasn't our fault. These things happened to us. Is our responsibility to take care of it for our children one day, make sure it's not passed down to someone else. And really, um, it was another point I wanted to say, um, making sure that, yeah, it's not our fault that it happened, but making sure we correct uh, the mistakes and also uh, the forgiveness piece that mm. once you understand that the, the thing that your parents passed down to you, sometimes it wasn't even intentional, but it was the fact that that's what they learned as their normal. Uh, that's what they realize it's just the, the standard and the things that they had around them and they're they're only loving you or dealing with their anger or dealing with their sadness these natural emotions that come to us they're only dealing with that in ways that come natural to them and the only ways that they know how to deal with that and unfortunately a lot of that is expressed through abuse and other things of that nature but they only did what they knew how to do so we had to uh work towards forgiveness and forgiving ourselves as well i think a lot of the people who live out their trauma uh, who live out their trauma are not forgiven of themselves. And I think that's a huge piece of it. Once you're able to forgive yourself that the trauma wasn't your fault, um, I think you can really start to change your life and just make a drastic improvement in your mental, emotional, and spiritual. Wow, that's incredible. So you guys are you you guys have broken that generational cycle. Right, that you or were it's in. not broken. We still working. We we're still, still working. We have a little it. one. It's, no, it's still working. Yeah, yeah. It's a never-ending <laughs> oh. process. We don't, we don't uh, try to look at look at these healing processes as if it's already done. Of course, mm. God has healed us and freed us, but every every day we have to make the decision to give our lives to God and to choose uh, God and not choose our flesh, not choose our old practices and habits. Every single day we wake up, we have to make that decision, and it's never like a done deal. Wipe your hands with it and move forward. It's a it's a daily decision. And uh, that that needs to be made surrendering to God. So mm -hmm. wisdom, right there, such wisdom. Thank you for for that, just 
That's all I can say to that is wisdom. You guys are walking in that. Um, I want to ask you about the children's book that you have. It's either yes. coming out. Did it come out yet or is it about to come out? Yep. it come, It's officially launched on April 2nd, which is International Yay. Children's Book Day. And then also, uh, it just happens to be Justin's birthday. Um, so the book is called I Love You More Than Cereal, Mava and Dad Redefine Love. Uh, and of course, it's with Justin and our daughter, Mava. Uh, and it's crazy because like, I mean, probably a year or two ago, we we just talked about writing a book, writing a children's book, because we have all these principles and redefining normal. Um, redefining normal is really 16 and up, just, you know forewarning there uh with trauma and other things that we say what that is spoken about in there but we have all of these all this wisdom all this knowledge and things that we wanted to compress in, as much as possible into this book that we know that other people need to know about like uh like definition of love and uh family and communication and relationships and all of these things but how can we take that and translate it for kids uh in a in an age-appropriate way and so this was our way of doing that so we're going to have a whole children's book series on the different topics that's in redefining normal uh and this one is on love um yeah, you want to talk more about get that a, get a chance to talk about our love for cereal too oh yeah so <laughs> anytime, anytime we get a excuse to talk about our love for cereal you know it's definitely amazing and uh, with every single project that we do, we try to do our best to include our community. You've seen some of our posts and, and questions yeah. that we ask people around title, around cover, content, and, and proofreading, and so many other things. So we try to include our community in everything we do. We are independent authors, so everything gets designed, created, invested in, and, and published by us. And it's just been such a blessing to do that. It's exhausting and it's tiring, but it's been a blessing at the same time to be mm -hmm. able to have of control and to be able to deliver the messages that God has given us. Mm -hmm. And um, if you are a believer, you know, you can see uh, Matthew 5 in this. You see 1 Corinthians 13 in this and so many other principles and elements in this that will really, really hit home. And just some important messages that I think children need to learn that love is about service, uh, servant leadership, not what we can take and give, but and also love other people despite their your mistakes, despite your flaws, and even love other people if they quote unquote don't deserve it because if we only love others when they are deserving and who will ever be loved mm -hmm. yes we're definitely wow. trying to you know work our best and getting this in the hands of as many little kids as possible schools um, churches and easter's coming up as well so we definitely want to encourage churches to take a look at this for easter and yep. put in their easter basket yep and spanish version is coming Great out idea. soon so we're definitely trying to make sure that the message is accessible uh -huh. as possible redefine normal is also in spanish uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> love it love it so where can and, and i have to say i love the title i love you more than cereal because what family is not going to pick that up right <laughs> so where can our exactly. listeners yeah where can we get i've i've already i've already i have redefining normal on my nightstand so i'm in the process of reading that i i love the idea i've got a bunch of grandkids so i think that your book would be a perfect gift easter or anytime and I hear your little baby right there. She wants to get credit for her part of this book. But where she can does. I, <laughs> where can our listeners grab <laughs> copies of your books? Yes, yeah, so you can get the book at re-definingnormal.com. So it's re-definingnormal.com. That's our website. We're actually doing a rebrand. So our brand new website will be launched by next week also. So very excited for that as well. Wow. And what is your website? Is that the website? Re-definingnormal.com? Yeah, re-definingnormal.com. Awesome. Well, we're going to make sure that there are links to your website um, in the show notes for this so our listeners can find it. There she is. She's precious, Mava. I get to sneak a sneak peek of her there. Um, so you, you've got the children's book coming out. What are you up to next? Do you have another project on the docket here? <laughs> I feel so like many we, things. we have like endless projects, but the, the official release for I Love You More Than Serial is on April 1st. So that's first things first, getting that together. Um, the release of the children's book. Um, so we're going to be touring and, and traveling around. We have so many uh, travel dates. So if you do want us to collaborate with any organizations, serving uh, students, youth, children, serving the people that are serving the youth, as far as foster parents, foster adoptive kinship, social workers, lawyers, uh, judges, um, and anybody in the child welfare system, uh, Professor, teachers, everybody, everybody. Uh, if you have any organizations, uh, programs that can use our services around family, community building, uh, trauma, I identifying trauma, creating generation success, we love to collaborate. Come to a city near you. 
but also we have a coaching program coming up. We can't speak too much about it now. We're finalizing the details, mm -hmm. but we want to teach other people how to do a lot of the same things that we've done um, in telling our story and just so many other things as mm -hmm. well. So we have a coaching program that should be coming out hopefully uh, sometime late spring or, or sometime in the summer. Um, we're traveling around a lot. We're going to mm -hmm. be producing a lot more books. And uh, anything mm -hmm. I'm missing or forgetting? I would say um, follow us on social media, Facebook, um, Redefining Normal Movement, and then TikTok and Instagram is the Blacks Redefining Normal. And we're posting all of our dates of where we're going. Uh, and if you Blacks, join our email list. The Blacks Redefine Normal. Oh, sorry. The Blacks Redefine Normal <laughs> for Instagram and TikTok. Um, and so, uh, you know, you'll see those travel dates. So hopefully, you know, we're coming to a city near you. So maybe we can find a way to collaborate while we're in town. That would be awesome. Yeah, that is wonderful. And you're in New York, right? I'm upstate near <laughs> Albany. Yes. And I don't Are know. You... We would love to come visit you. And we haven't been yeah. to, uh, we've been to New York, of course, but we haven't yeah. been, uh, we haven't done much work in New York or New Jersey. We'd love to come out and connect and just see how we can collaborate and support. I'm making a note of that because already my wheels are turning on how we can uh, get you guys out here. Um, I know I definitely have somebody, a ministry in New Jersey that is is definitely going to want you out there. And I'm going to see what I can do in our area here in upstate New York because you guys are fabulous. <laughs> and um, before Thank we... You. before. Yeah. So before we wrap up, um, I mentioned earlier, most of our listeners are adoptive and foster parents. So would would you guys each take a moment to share an encouraging word or a piece of advice for parents and caregivers who may be struggling? They're 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 raising children who have trauma histories. You know, they're they're a lot of them are at that point where they're they don't the children have, you know, they because of the trauma and, and the history you know, they're not interested in the things of God. Um, you know, their parents really want to take them to church, all that kind of stuff. Um, what would you say to parents who are, are caring for children, you know, with trauma histories? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. What Just watching my parents and the way that they have adopted my little sister, um, and she came with a lot of um, a lot of trauma and a lot of fun things. Um, just watching her and the way that she loves on her and cares for her, uh, they're wouldn't be possible for her to do that um, without a community. So we have to make sure that we have that community of supporting people around us, those that are in our corner willing to listen to us vent, support us moving forward, help us in those birthdays. <laughs> Here we go. She wants to talk. Um, you know, uh, maybe support and respite, watching the babies or kids, you know, so you can get a break. Whatever it is that community looks like to you and defining that and finding people that fit in that definition, I think that is the most important thing from watching my parents that's how we've been able to set up our community for Mava. um you know moving forward now uh we wouldn't be able to do this if we didn't have that example um because the youth are watching you so when you create your community they're watching and seeing how you do that and you want to make sure that they're not only dependent on you um but they have their own network that they can rely on uh if you're not available or for whatever reason you want them to be able to have a supportive network outside of just you mm -hmm wisdom there yeah for sure what about you justin what would you say yeah i, I would say just piggybacking off of what alexa said the the power of community it, it's even described a lot in the bible when you know the holy spirit came on the apostles they were in groups and you know just the power of the holy spirit was shown a lot of the times in groups and it's like when two or three are gathered together you see the power of it and god's presence and everything and you know i would just encourage foster parents to take off the cape uh, have a seat off the cape, rip the S off your chest and be a part of the body of Christ and, and understanding that the body is many different parts that come along with it. You know, uh, there are the feet, there are the legs, there are the arms, there's the head, there's the neck. And you may you are not the whole body. You are a part of the body. So make sure you are attached to the body so you can receive that love and support, you know, from uh, churches and other people around you. Because there's so many people who are in this space who are running on empty, who are pouring from an empty cup. And God, we need to be filled by uh, God and God's people. And I think once we continue, once we continue to be filled by God's people, uh, we can continue the work that we do. So. Um, having friends and a body of Christ and church and so many other people fill our cup so we can continue doing the work that we do so we won't so we won't run empty. 
Love that. Love that. Love all that you're doing. Love Precious Mava there. She woke up from her nap and she joined us and she's doing fabulous. Um, so I just, I want to thank you for, for all that you're doing um, in this, in this space and to the, for the foster and adoption community, but beyond all the people that you're inspiring, um, your entrepreneurship, you know, your faith, all that you're doing praying that your your books are, are wildly successful and you just continue to minister and speak into the lives of others who really need that encouraging word and message about identity, um, you know, that you're bringing. So thank you guys for being on the show. Thank you for all that you're doing. And I can't wait to connect with you in person. No, thank you so much for having us. And like, let's seriously connect and talk about ways we can collaborate and come out to the New York, New Jersey area. And uh, no, we just appreciate the invite and it was such a pleasure being able to talk to you. We want to just continue to learn and grow together and just see how we can support. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, thank yes, you. Thank you. She said thank you and bye. Bye. <laughs> wow. What a great conversation with Justin and Alexis Black. Um, their book is Redefining Normal, How to Foster Kids Beat the Odds and Discover Healing happiness and love. I've already begun reading my copy. It's fabulous. You're going to want to pick up a copy. And I love the name of the children's book. I love you more than cereal. Um, that's going to make a great, uh, also a great gift or a great, you know, copy for your shelf for, for to share with your children or grandchildren. Um, you know, these guys are doing an amazing job. Find them on social media. Um, the Blacks Redefine Normal. And, and you're just going to be really impressed. They're, they just are both um, genuine. They love the Lord. Um, they love inspiring people and all that they're, that they're doing. So um, I hope you were inspired by this conversation today. I know I certainly was. I was so encouraged um, just to see how, you know, and they talked about that, you know, they overcame odds because of their faith. Um, because of people mentoring and, and, and coming alongside them, but also because they chose to overcome. They chose to do their part um, in that process. So such wisdom there. Love this couple, all that they're doing. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. Check out the links in the show notes so that you can find them um, easily. And, you know, thank you for listening today and for staying tuned um, to the adoption and foster care journey. Um, we're here to encourage and equip you on your parenting journey. And I know that this was an encouraging, encouraging episode. Remember, um, you know, we've got resources for you on our, epi on our episode on our website, justicefororphansny.org. Um, and you can find those resources um, on our on our the on our homepage, if you click on uh, training, uh, we have all of our um, resources for um, parents who are raising kiddos who have been prenatally exposed. So we have the Hope for the FASD Journey virtual support community. Community is very important. Justin alluded to that. We have to have our community around us to be successful. Um, and also the 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 workshops and the. Uh, website, the workshops and webinars and things that we're doing online and in person um, for uh, the FASD community as well. Um, so check those all out on our website. And again, if you enjoyed the show, if you're not a regular listener, please, please subscribe and also spread the word. Let your fellow adoptive and fostering friends know about this episode so that they can listen and be encouraged and equipped too. Uh, be sure to find and follow Justice for Orphans on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And I'm on there also myself at Sandra Flack. You can find me on both Facebook and Instagram. So I am grateful that you spent your valuable time with us today. And I'm thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.